District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. We have immediate reaction to the Supreme Court ruling that was handed down this morning at 10 o'clock Eastern in West Virginia versus EPA. And who better to bring on than former EPA Chief of Staff Mandy Gunasekra, who also is an independent women's forum senior policy analyst and someone I work very closely with on these issues. Mandy, how do you feel about the Supreme Court decision? Is it what ultimately should have been decided in this 6-3 decision? Yes, absolutely. This is a great day for the rule of law, and it's just very validating for those of us who've been working on this from the beginning. Um, I really started working to apply Senate oversight and pushback in 2015, right before the rule was finalized. And so fast forward to today, after you know the four years in the Trump administration, where we repealed and replaced the CPP, and then that was struck down by the DC circuit and sent back to EPA. It's just been a roller coaster of ups and downs. And today, the Supreme Court has delivered much needed clarity that really puts EPA in its appropriate limited regulatory space, making clear that EPA is not the director of the New World Energy Order, but rather a regulatory agency that can only take actions consistent with authority granted to it by Congress. And this stems from a case that predated the Trump administration. This was a suit that was filed in 2015, 2016, if I'm not mistaken. So this wasn't just something that just appeared. Could you explain the kind of uh, pathway that this case took to come yeah, to this it's, decision? It's uh, it, it's pretty lo- it's pretty long, but um, the Obama administration proposed and ultimately finalized the Clean Power Plan in 2015. That rule was challenged. Um, it was ultimately ended up before the Supreme Court. And in February, February 9th of 2016, I will remember the date for forever because it was the due date of my second child. Um, The Supreme Court delivered a stay on that rule, stopping it in its tracks. And at that time, that was a really big deal because they were looking at, they were making a decision on the procedural aspect of the rule, say no EPA, you cannot continue to implement this. And they did that before the lower courts made a decision on the merits of the case uh, that were still ongoing in some of the lower courts. So the Supreme Court stopped it in its tracks. Fast forward, the Trump President Trump wins the election. People like myself walk into EPA early in the administration, and we pick up um, we we pick up where the Supreme Court had left off. They'd stopped the rule in its tracks. We proposed and finalized a rule to rescind the Clean Power Plan because, in our estimation, the rule went well beyond the authority Congress had granted EPA in terms of regulating emissions at sources. Um, and two, we replaced it with a rule called the Affordable Clean Energy Rule. And that rule sets standards by the agency consistent with how EPA had historically applied its authority under Section 111. And the big takeaway there was EPA set standards and worked with the states to figure out how to reduce emissions. 
the CPP was where EPA not only set standards, but also dictated to the states how they were going to go about achieving those emissions reductions. And it was largely a ploy to shift energy generation from coal and gas-powered energy to wind and solar. So we finalized that rule. That was challenged. And the D.C. Circuit, literally days before the Biden administration walked in the door, they overruled that decision and sent it back to EPA. So the Biden team walked in basically with a clean slate. They didn't know to what extent the court disagreed with the merits of the Clean Power Plan, because remember, the Supreme Court only stopped the rule. They never addressed the merits of their legal argument, but they did have the gift from the D.C. Circuit, where the D.C. Circuit had said, our estimation and application of EPA's authority under the Affordable Clean Energy Rule and the rescission of CPP was too narrow. So they were in the process of redeveloping a new greenhouse gas emissions related rule. And that brought back to life the the original case back from 2015, West Virginia v. EPA, that ultimately went before the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court made clear ruling on the merits of CPP that the Obama administration's interpretation of the authority, which, mind you, is very much consistent with the Biden administration's interpretation, because it's all the same people who are working there today that were working at the agency then, made very clear that um, their view of authority went well beyond what Congress had authorized. And so they issued their decision today, rebuking EPA and limiting their actions to so that they are only consistent with with what Congress has explicitly stated. Your interpretation and explainer of the ruling deeply contrasts a lot what we're seeing on social media. A lot of people say kind of doomscasting in this manner that, well, climate is going to be in peril, environmental quality is going to be downgraded. This is horrible, horrible day for the United States. Can you reassure those detractors that's not the case? How would you reassure those detractors that this is not what's going to stem from? We're not going to have a reduction of environmental quality. Why is that in your mind? No, absolutely not. And and you have to understand, I want listeners to understand the reason we lead the world today on greenhouse gas emission reductions and other pollutant reductions, but in particular greenhouse gases, because that's what people are talking about when they're hyperventilating about climate change action. We lead the world because of the growth and innovation in the natural gas industry in particular, the development of horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing, and the fact that when we extract, refine, and deliver energy resources to the market, we do it in the cleanest, most efficient manner because the environmental laws on the books actually do matter. We have a history of doing that, and we proved that in the Trump administration, where we followed the rule of law to continue the trajectory of lower emissions Um, for the United States writ large. So everyone reacting saying that the agency's authority to reduce emissions has been gutted, that is an overreaction and just simply not true. What it means is that EPA has to go about its authorities as it historically has, delivering, proposing, and finalized balanced regulatory standards, not as a director of the new energy world order where they can go into states and say, you have to shut these plants down and you must now 
rely on only wind and solar. That was never in EPA's purview, and the court just made that very clear. But all that being said, the agency has plenty of tools left uh, for them to continue to do work that balances out their environmental mission with what's already going on in the private sector marketplace, and especially with the growth of natural gas and the continued develop, development of pollution control devices that reduce greenhouse gas emissions and other emissions on you know, your traditional oil and, and coal plants as well. So it seems like a check on their preservationist environmental agenda and kind of a recognition of true conservation where you don't prioritize regulatory action as a means of safeguarding environmental conditions, but having a balance. So it seems to me that's the case. But even more importantly, I think what people don't understand this case set precedent for, I think, according to the Wall Street Journal, they say that the Supreme Court today issued a decision ultimately limiting the power of regulatory agencies within the federal government. So it's not just, you know, obviously curbing EPA's powers. What impact do you think this will have on other agencies, even outside energy and environment? Is this a good kind of cause going forward, or is this a good precedent set going forward so that regulatory agencies don't exceed their bounds in other areas across the federal government? Yes, it's especially important right now because the Biden administration has attempted to take their same expansive approach that they applied at EPA and transplant that over at the Securities and Exchange Commission, the Department of Defense, um, HHS, DHS. They're really, their whole of the government effort um, in response to climate change, as they say, has been taking an, a, an unauthorized template for action that up until this moment worked for them at EPA and tried to expand that out across all other administrative agencies. And the problem with that is each of these agencies have important missions. And when they get sidetracked becoming the newest environmental regulator or you know, saver of the planet because of political influences, they lose sight of fulfilling their important agency missions, um, which is why it's increasingly important that this rebuke not only applies to EPA and this limit of authority, but also to the Securities and Exchange Commission because they are charged with market stability, and we need an agency focusing on market stability given the current situation. We don't need them weighing in on climate change matters or environmental regulation because that does that authority does lie at EPA, but only in a manner consistent with the authority Congress has granted. So it's it's hugely important. And at the root of it is the fact that the court applied something called the major questions doctrine basically making clear if an agency goes about a regulation that has significant economic or political um, impact, then they must, they can only take those actions if Congress clearly gave them authority to do so. Um, historically, the courts have turned to something called the Chevron Doctrine that at the end of the day gives the agency more latitude or deference to take actions, which has really been at the root of the growth of the federal bureaucracy. So this is a major win um, for, for curbing the growth of the bureaucracy and immensely clarifying at US EPA. Hey, Gabby. Uh, Mandy, as a result of this decision, do you see other facets of the EPA's powers being limited, let's say, when it comes to waters of the United States? Will this have any effect on that or not? 
Well, I'm not sure if it will have as big of an effect on the political appointees that are there. I can tell you, I've been on the receiving end of two different types of uh, legal analysis and readouts from the attorneys that work within EPA in the Office of General Counsel. If they agree with the outcome of the courts, they will brief you, uh, brief you know, agency appointees like myself as um, as if it's all encompassing, and you know the agency's authorities are significantly limited. But if they disagree with the court's outcome, even the Supreme Court's outcome, they will try to find ways to limit it and argue why it really doesn't apply and find ways around it. So I just say that because I'm concerned that even though the Supreme Court administered a very clear decision that is a strong rebuke to their otherwise expansive approach to the agency's authority, I am worried that they will try to argue it away or find ways that it doesn't necessarily apply and continue their original agenda post-haste. But what's good for all of us is that we will fight it in the courts. And now we know that even if it's the DC circuit or lower courts, they are going to have to contend with the very clear message from the Supreme Court that the US Environmental Protection Agency cannot take actions that are expansive in scope uh, unless Congress gave them explicit authority to do so. And at the end of the day, It may take a long time to fight to get the agency and its current administrative leadership to respect that, but we now have a very important tool. And with regard to WOTUS and the ongoing back and forth in that space, yes, absolutely. Um, You know, what the Supreme Court has made clear is that they are respective of the traditional approach agencies and laws have been interpreted and that actually matters. And they're not buying into a lot of the more recent arguments we've gotten in the airspace and the water space, um, mostly at the behest of well-funded activists that the law should be reinterpreted so that they can implement their expansive left-leaning agendas without Congress weighing in. So I think it's important for for WOTUS in general because this court um, is taking a very traditional view of the agency's authority and they're not going to have the expansive leeway that they may have enjoyed in the past without running up against the Supreme Court. Does this also undermine the two climate-related executive orders that were first put into office or first put into action, excuse me, early on in the Biden administration? Because they have climate uh, climate components. So does this affect their executive action as well? It Yes, it will. Um, I really think it has implications across the entire government because so many of those actions that are built into the executive order, they have huge economic consequences. And each of the agencies, whether it's the Securities and Exchange Commission, trying to use their financial disclosure authority to effectuate a broader climate goal to shift investment and generation away from coal, oil, and natural gas towards wind and energy, they're trying to use limited authority that applies to a specific agency-affiliated mission Um, They're trying to expand it out to help 
effectuate the broader climate goals that have huge implications for the economy, for jobs, for people's access to affordable, reliable energy, and on and on and on. So, so much of Joe Biden's climate executive order was designed to shift generation and use of fossil energies. Remember, he's making good on his commitment to, quote, end all fossil fuels. So much of it was a derivative of that and trying to fit that into specific authorities within a number of agencies. And the Supreme Court is not buying it. So I do think it is very limiting and rightfully so, not only from a legal perspective, but for the sake of the American people and all we've had to endure under the Biden administration. Um, the Supreme Court has made clear that, no, they're not going to be able to get away with it unless Congress weighs in or has in, or has in the past and explicitly allowed the agencies to take actions um, that the, the president has laid out in his executive, his climate executive order. But he really hasn't. Um, so much of it is trying to review and rewrite the law to create imagined authority to achieve the ends of well-connected activists that helped get him in power. And while that may work in politics um, and policy discussions, it will not work in terms of the rule of law and it will not pass the scrutiny of the Supreme Court. Yeah, the executive branch shouldn't exceed its power in creating rules where they don't have the authority to do so. So I think this is a win in that regard too, for those of you who really like limited government and, you know, federal regulations not superseding environmental quality. A final thing I want to ask you, Mandy, is going forward, following this ruling, it seems like energy and environment and the consequences from this administration's policies is going to have long-term effects on people. We see in polling that gas prices usually are the top most, second most top concern after inflation. People are feeling the pain at the pump. People are seeing their electricity bills going up and they're kind of cooling to the idea of adopting net zero policies, abandoning fossil fuels for intermittent solar and wind, which can have some you know, positive effects in the future. But I think people are recognizing the shortcomings of abandoning cheap oil and gas options for things that have not proven to be effective in the long term. What in your mind is something we're going to see? Are we going to see any reprieve with these gas prices? Are they going to peel back any of their bad policies or are they just going to continue to double down, whether from the executive side? Will Congress take any action? Will we see anything stemming from this court ruling? What, what is your kind of view on this? I think the reality is that the Democrats are still in control of the White House, the Senate, and the House. And until there is a change, which I do believe will come at the start of next year, um, until there's a change they have shown, they will always double down on their renewables-only approach and will offer gimmicks instead of actual solutions to the very real pain at the pump um, and with regard to electricity bills, American families are dealing with. So um, I'm optimistic at the start of next year that we'll have a majority, um, by we, I mean Republicans, will have a majority in the House and the Senate. I believe that will be an, a very important check on the Biden administration, and it will actually turn on the very important oversight role of the U.S. Congress to push back uh, at what the Biden administration has been doing. And I also believe that with the Supreme Court ruling today, 
Um, the, the legal side of the equation, those who want to challenge the administration's actions, be it stakeholders at the state level, small businesses, or the attorneys general who have been really great in pushing back for a long time, very organized and very great. Um, we have a very important tool to push back but the reality is that all of those efforts to push back will take time. And in the time period between now and when we have Republicans back in a position to where they can push back actively against what the administration is doing, I unfortunately think Americans will continue to feel the pain and have to suffer the consequences of Biden's disastrous energy policies. And I think regardless of how high the price of gas gets or how hard it is for the American people to get around, this administration is going to double down on um, on their renewables only approach. That seems to be the case from public comments to video clips that you start to see circulating on social media. And they won't learn, I think, until they lose power. Maybe not yeah. because they are so beholden to this. But if Europe, I was sending you articles offline <laughs> about Europe, like the G7 and like five EU nations have said, we're going to actually pause our net zero policies for a few years to reassess them in wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. If Europe, which bought into this wholesale, is saying we're going to peel back, maybe the United States should learn from Europe. We are always taught to emulate Europe, but they don't won't listen to Europe, I don't think. But Mandy, where can people connect with you, follow your work, your musings, and learn more about, you know, kind of sound energy policies? Yeah, they can follow me on Twitter at MississippiMG, or they can follow my work at IWF.org. Perfect. Thank you again for rushing on to come on and give your immediate reaction to this really landmark ruling. It's going to have a lot of impact, I think, positively for reigning in the powers of the executive branch and putting a check on the EPA as well. And I think people have to just read the details, not really react so angrily, not think that this is going to have a dent on the environment. And, and if anything, the Clean Energy, the Clean Air Act has to kind of be reformed. I think it's, it's due to have some modernization because it regulates prescribed burns fire more than natural wildfire burn, more so smoke wise. So Mandy, thank you again for coming on and we will have you back on to assess more policy in the future. All right. Thanks for having me, Gabby. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't already, make sure you find us on your preferred podcast player. We largely circulate on Apple, Spotify, and countless others, but those are our two big podcast platforms we want to push. Make sure you're subscribed there, especially on Apple. If you like the podcast a lot, go leave us some reviews. We'd be more than grateful to get some five-star reviews from you guys. Moreover, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and a little bit on YouTube. We don't populate there, but connect with us on social media. Find me personally on social media with blue check marks. Super easy to find, and I would love to hear your feedback and know who you'd like to see on the podcast. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. Stay tuned for the next episode.